Welcome to today's show, everybody. I'm glad you're here. I want to talk about something that you can find in infinite volumes of spiritual literature over and over again, that anything and everything can be reduced to a simple choice a person has in their life, either to be consumed by tensions and stresses or to rise above them. Today, I'm going to talk about how one book in particular is helping me and a couple of friends of mine rise above the tensions of today's times, the Bhagavad Gita. Sit back, relax, and I hope you enjoy the show. Okay, and welcome everyone. So like I said in the introduction, infinite volumes of spiritual literature that is out there reduces how to live a happy and joyful life by a simple choice that each and every one of us has the ability to make, whether to be consumed by those things that we don't want to experience or see or feel or have happened to us or those that we love or to rise above them. And without sounding like ignoramus, which I, which I am, (laughs) um, it's that simple. The tensions by which we become consumed and with which we identify are our bondage, our chains, our imprisonment, our mind, and the way in which we relate to the outside world either liberates us or creates bondage. It leads us to live a life that's full of a reactionary existence and represents the ability to immerse ourselves in a completely short-term perspective instead of seeing the alternate, which is to open ourselves to tensions, to open ourselves to tensions, not to resist them, but to open ourselves to them, to absorb them as energy and be transformed by the conscious effort of being with your tensions and to live from an increasingly universal and progressive perspective from an expanded state. So instead of feeding the tensions and having the polarity, you know, in playing within our lives between ourselves and others, between good and bad and right and wrong, we can dissolve the polarity and dissolve the ego, the mind that wants things and prefers things to be a certain way, thereby living instead in a state of unity and harmony with life itself. And this is a choice. Choice is moment by moment. So many times with clients, uh, they have a scenario where they're wanting to create a resolution to a conflict that they're having. And at this point in coaching, what it really comes down to is choosing to live a life of seeing not problems, but potentiality, waiting, waiting in the breath of God that is being breathed through you, waiting to say yes to seeing the things that are playing out within your life as a divine opportunity to become open hearted, to see that we have this choice many times every day to make an effort to be open and to live with a genuine love and respect for ourselves and for others. We can choose to speak and act carefully 
or we can just say whatever we want to say unfiltered, which isn't considerate. Is, is It isn't considerate. It isn't with consideration of the opportunity that is presenting itself to us to speak from a higher consciousness, to perform duties from a higher consciousness, to relax into the spaciousness of higher consciousness that lives within ourselves, to reverberate, to vibrate, and to live with an elevated frequency of this higher consciousness. All problems, all conflicts, all opportunities, are they are all opportunities for us to raise our consideration to raise our vibration and to explore the extraordinary potentiality of this conscious energy living within ourselves, which of course would lead us into living a quality of life that would be outstanding. We can choose this or we can let ourselves be consumed by fears and doubts, and worries, and insecurities. We choose, and every day we act out our choice. The depth of our commitment to our spiritual process shows itself to us in the way in which we look at our problems. It shows our, It shows itself to us in the way in which we label problems versus potential versus possibility. We demonstrate the reality of our own motivations through the interactions with our outside world, through the interactions with the relationships that we have, with the interactions of how we talk to ourselves, with the interactions of the environments that we create. So it's important for us to understand this so that we can look at ourselves in a realistic way and begin to make our choices conscious we decide which it will be. We decide. So we see that dealing with tensions, right? Dealing with problems is never what it seems as a spiritual, from a spiritual perspective, it is always an open door into a new way of being in the world. It is an open door to living within the body from the state of grace that you were born in before you came into this body. Working in a spiritual way, working on ourselves is like chipping away at this solid mass of total obstruction living within us all of our inner garbage and our inner psyche and our desires and the things that we're angry about in the world and the things that are causing us to be confused or enraged or living a superficial life. It's all the garbage that lives within us is chipped away when you do this conscious work on yourself. When you use everyday opportunities to dig in to look within, to not point fingers out there, but to look within, dive into it, swim around and be quiet. Like you don't have to work so hard at resolving things, allowing things to unfold, witnessing that your experiencer living within you is experiencing something that seems and feels difficult and then getting quiet 
so that your elevated higher self can start to speak to you, where you can get the insight that you're looking for and you can get change. You can get the garbage that's being chipped away at. It can get out of your system. It gets out of our system. As we become more and more aware of the garbage itself, we may feel various degrees of um, feelings. We may have anxiety. We may be really upset with ourselves. We may say, why did I stay so long? Why did I not stick up for myself sooner? Why did I put up with being a doormat for that person? So we might have some self-loathing going on and we might think that we're experiencing a real struggle now that we're actually looking at those things that are keeping us imprisoned within ourselves. And we may judge it as a bad thing, but the truth is it's a good thing because here is where it starts to become released. It's not something we have to fight against or resist. Just like we're accepting our tensions, we're looking at them. We're going to start consciously looking and allowing that higher voice to start speaking to us. I know for myself, I've had the experience of having some anxiety or panic attacks. And I was talking to a couple of my friends about this a couple months ago. And I always knew that in my panic attacks, what was really happening was I had been looking consciously at my patterns that have imprisoned me up until my life until I was like 48 years old. I had, like we all do, a, a, a system of patterned behavior, unconscious, that needed to become conscious. And when I looked and sat quietly and contemplated the story of my life, that I had created for myself and the story that I've been wanting to create, what I realized was that the panic attacks were the continuation of the release. But really the panic attacks are an opportunity for me to see that some cells are still needing to be aligned with a higher frequency, that there's still some toxicity and poison in the cells living within. Otherwise I wouldn't have a panic attack or I wouldn't have an anxiety attack. But as a spiritual warrior, I know that as I contemplate and allow and not resist, but bring closer to me the panic and see it for what it is that my cells are attuning to a higher vibration as the toxic stuff is being released, the things that are still embodied are being released, then I can begin to focus on an inner purity within myself. So the self-loathing is over and now I'm seeing how I'm interacting with all of life to focus on the purity, on my intention, the purity on the way in which I feel within my body each and every day, the purity of love that I have for every living thing, including the bugs and the trees and the ocean. So instead of identifying with the difficulties that I have had in my life, I am looking instead at making the investment every day into choosing to relax into any tensions, to allow them to become, to to allow my higher self to become present to them, to not identify as one who has a problem, but to allow myself to identify as one who is looking within herself 
as a creator, as a co-creator with consciousness through choosing who I'm going to be with the so-called tension that has presented itself. And then one of the things that I've noticed is that over time of this practice of years, it takes a whole lot to get me riled up. Um, it takes, like, I can't even remember the last time I was really riled up because I can dissolve the tensions of my past. I have, and I'm continuing to dissolve the ones that are still unconscious through release, through meditation, through prayer, through the convergence of both prayer and meditation, but I'm dissolving the future tensions as well because I know how to be in a state of grace, in a timeless state. In other words, I am not living in a reactionary body in a moment of time in a future in which an event will occur that would provide me with an opportunity to be upset by, because that could happen. But I am living instead in a state of grace that is irrelevant of time or events that may or may not occur. I'm living within the infinite nature of my true self. So not only do we have this opportunity to dissolve these tensions, we also have the opportunity to let go of them, not denying or rejecting the tension, but releasing the tension. And that's where the book, the Bhagavad Gita comes in. When we dissolve these tensions, our creative capacity grows and we begin to understand that one of the things that's essential to living a happy life is to be desireless. And the Bhagavad Gita picks up on this. Uh, I'm reading, I have a book club right now with a couple gal pals. We call ourselves the Gita Goddesses. And we're doing um, Stephen Mitchell's translation on the Bhagavad Gita, which is a very old book that is essentially about um, a family that is separated, that is divided, and they are getting ready to go to war. And a prince on one side, Arjuna, is being carried in his chariot to the middle, to his side. And he says to the guy that's, that is carrying him in his chariot, Krishna, to take him into the middle of two families before the war begins. And Krishna is essentially the divine. And he asks Krishna questions on like, how can I do this to my brother, to my uncle, to my cousins? You know, a king, a prince that has won a war like this could never feel good. And so he begins to inquire when Krishna answers in each chapter, his questions from another, from a different perspective, each perspective, each perspective built upon the last more deeply, more with an open heart, more with the breath of God, more, just more. And so I thought since the war with Ukraine and is continuing and the shooting of the 19 children just happened 
This book, the Bhagavad Gita, is a book that can help us all in any time, as this book is timeless. The information in this book was not created for today, or for 50 years from now, or for 200 years ago. The information in this book is forever. And so we begin, as this outside world gives us the ones that believe we are mind-body interacting with the world from sense objects, an object who experiences themselves through the senses and experiences other objects through the senses. If a man keeps dwelling on sense objects, attachment to them arises. From attachment, desire flares up, and from desire, anger is born. From anger, confusion follows. From confusion, weakness of memory. Weak memory, weak understanding. Weak understanding, ruin. But the man who is self-controlled, who meets the objects of the senses with neither craving nor aversion, will attain serenity at last. In serenity, all his sorrows disappear at once, forever. When his heart has become serene, his understanding is steadfast. The undisciplined have no wisdom, no one-pointed concentration. With no concentration, no peace. With no peace, where can joy be? When the mind constantly runs after the wandering senses, it drives away wisdom like the wind blowing a ship off course. So that was an excerpt from the second chapter of the Bhagavad Gita. And it is in this dwelling of the mind-body senses where we see the world as things that we want and things that we don't want. We are attached to those desires and we're angry when we don't get what we want. And from the anger is a forget is a forgetting. He says a weakness of memory. It's a forgetting of the truth of our divine nature that we are not one living here to get or to not get. We are the one that's aware of the one that's living here. And so if we could remember and sink into the truth of our nature during the times where we are not getting what we want, then we can remember that true freedom and liberation is to be desireless. I always like to think of having desires as a way of saying, I don't have what I want yet. That if instead I can sit in a steady state of grace within me, knowing that I have everything that I could ever need living right within me and that if there was something that I wanted to co-create with consciousness with to experience here it's different than desiring something and developing a state of either contentment or unhappiness regardless of whether or not I received it so instead now there's a co-conscious there's a co-creation where I'm sitting quietly within, contemplating the state that I am wanting to become more of. Because anything that I could acquire in this outside world was is creating a state within me. And I don't need to have that thing on the outside world to create a state of goodness, of joy, of humility, of love, of kindness, 
I can create it because I am a creator. And in this serenity, my sorrows would disappear forever because I am liberated for understanding that my heart is serene and my mind is no longer running the show. That was my translation on chapter two. Chapter three is, let's see here. Chapter three is the yoga of action. Yoga in this book means um, like a discipline of action. So when we pay less attention to the mind and the trappings of the mind, when we pay less attention to those things, to our psyche, then we have an increased freedom. So I'm going to read an excerpt from the book and then talk a little bit about it. The blessed Lord said, in this world, there are two main paths, the yoga of understanding for contemplative men and for men who are active, the yoga of action. Not by avoiding actions does a man gain freedom from action, and not by renunciation alone can he reach the goal. No one, not even for an instant, can exist without acting. All beings are compelled, however unwilling, by the three strands of nature called gunas. He who controls his actions but lets his mind dwell on sense objects is deluding himself and spoiling his search for the deepest truth. So, translation of that would sound something like, okay, so we're going to use we're going to use an example of someone that does not contemplate their actions. I didn't understand what was going on, so I did this, right? I didn't understand what I was about to do, but I did it anyway. What usually happens when we take that action? I don't understand, but I'm going to do this anyway. We usually wind up regretting that. Another example is you know what? I did understand a little bit, but not all of it. I understood what to do, but I didn't do anything. So that's someone that's also not understanding the action or the inaction that is presenting itself to us. Now, here's another example. I did not act as I did not understand. Now that one, you can start to begin to feel the contemplation within. I didn't act as I did not understand. There's an opportunity when you're presented with something in your life and you don't know which direction to go into. You don't know whether to act or not act. You don't know whether to speak or stay quiet. You don't know whether to move on or stay. Get quiet. Contemplate with consciousness itself. Is there a right action or a right inaction? And wait until you understand the truth of the experience wanting to be experienced. Another example would be, I did not act. And then I understood of both action and inaction. So I did not act. And then I understood the results of both action and inaction. So here we are paying less attention to our psyche and contemplating with a higher consciousness, understanding the righteousness of both action and inaction. Also, the inaction of mind, paying less attention to the activity of mind, 
letting it be inactive, or even if it isn't, acting as if it is, will increase the energy of illumination within you. When you're done listening to the chatter of all the shoulds, coulds, woulds, have to, needs, must, when you're done doing all that, you'll see that that was the obstruction itself to your own illumination. The chatter of the psyche is the obstruction itself. The three gunas that this chapter is talking about is sattva, which is illumination and truth, raja, which is passion and desire, and tamas, which is darkness, sloth, and dullness. It's a strand of quality of one's life. There's more detail within each of these strands, or three, which in, within each of these gunas, but I'm not going to get that get so much into that right now, but they can be contributed as attributes of your psyche. Um, and so what we're talking about is when we don't know what to do and we're looking for an answer, you know, be your own guru, get quiet, sit within, contemplate with higher consciousness, pay less attention to the chatter of the mind, which is the obstruction of the illumination that you're looking for. And let the illumination come to you when it does. Just sit, not knowing necessarily when you're going to get the answer. You are the answer. The answer lives within you. It's quieting the rest of the world around you and quieting the identity that you think your mind is going to solve the problem. The mind is the obstruction in the way many times in one's life. So it is in resting within that space because when we perform an action as an individual, right? When we think like we have to make an effort to get something done, when we perform an action as an individual, we are attached, we're attaching ourselves to the outcome. So many times when we think we're performing something to get something done, we're attached to the outcome. And this can perpetually create more. Th- and when we're attached to the outcome, then we have a desire or a craving for things to go the way in which we want. That would be a Thomas of the three gunas. And then wanting a specific outcome would create an action or a movement in one direction or the other, which is considered the Raja Guna. Now, the thing is that depending upon the outcome, depending upon the action, or depending upon our patterns of psyche, could either throw us into more ways that we obstruct our illumination, more ways in in aversion to the, what is actually happening instead of bringing us into sattva. So the action step of raja creates either more tamas or more sattva. The action or the movement to which we are directed to move our lives within either leads us more onto a path of darkness, anger, aversion, desires, or more to the path of sattva, which is inspired, inspiration, insight, being, illumination, steadfast, truth. So when we look at the war in Ukraine and we look at Putin's desires to control, he made action steps that took 
power away from people that created for the world a desire for something different and an anger inside of our hearts. So he, he actually opened the door and invited us into a guna of tamas. And how, if we notice that we're getting caught up there and stuck there, and we're just stuck in the anger of it, we cannot seek, we cannot find what actually is wanting to emerge from that place. Our action would need to be inspired from something greater than ourselves or our current imagination. And so instead, if, yes, we have a right to react and feel, but notice how long you stay. Come back to the center of the being. Come back to the self that is in divine connection to all of consciousness itself. And just sit and contemplate and ask, what is it that's wanting to emerge? The answer was shown to us quite quickly. World peace. As more and more countries aligned than ever before in a united front, wanting that for everyone, all the peoples of the world, to be able to live a life of harmony and peace with everything they need to not survive, but to thrive and how we would be there for each other. Now, that is a way in working through the gunas so that the tamas opportunity that opened the door and the action step of raja can lead us to a sattva experience of peace for all. Otherwise, if we get stuck in tamas, then we're going to develop more obstructions, more things that need to be removed, more things that we're attached to. So it's in letting go of our attachments that the mind can resolve something. It's in the letting go of the attachments of the way in which we always get things resolved. It's in letting go of our usual patterns or behaviors. It's in the letting go of our usual language that we speak to ourselves. It's in the letting go of asking other people what to do. It's in the letting go of not knowing that we have the answers that live within us. And it's in the accepting and saying yes to not playing in the tension, but instead to playing in the possibility in the quiet space where illumination can be heard when the mind is no longer paid attention to. So that is the part of the this chapter that I wanted to talk about. I mean, honestly, every paragraph is so amazing. It's really hard to just pick one. So chapter four is the yoga of wisdom, the discipline of wisdom. And let's see the note I have. Oh, yes. Okay. So we must realize what action is, what wrong action and inaction are as well. The true nature of action is profound and difficult to fathom. He who can see inaction in the midst of action and action in the midst of inaction is wise and can act in the spirit of yoga. So in other words, I'm going to translate this now. He who can see in action, in the midst of action, and action in the midst of action is wise. So by just being, not necessarily doing anything, 
but by being a higher consciousness, will something new will be created. What can become as we not act? What potential lies on the other side of just being? By surrendering ourselves, by being the doer of the work. As a meditation teacher, I used to say, do the work. And by doing the work, I mean, do nothing. Do no work. There is no working at a meditation. If you're working in a meditation, you're not meditating. You are working at creating an outcome that is irrelevant. Just relax. Let us allow this time for a state of being going in and contemplating with higher consciousness itself as higher consciousness itself. Let this be a moment of no action to see what may come and find you. This is the place we can come to when we feel tension arise. We can sit and be okay with the tension. So sit down, sit back, close your eyes, and relax. Take a nice, slow inhalation, and as you inhale, offer your inhalation up to your exhalation. This is a state of sattva, being in your illumination with an offering, keeping your eyes closed and relax. And as you exhale, offer your exhalation up to your inhalation. And rest deeper and deeper into this moment. Let this be a space of prayer. Enter into the space of meditation. Feel into this space as prayer and meditation converge together. What do you notice? This is the breath of God. This is the illumination of your true nature. This is an opportunity to see the being in the midst of action all around you and the opportunity to see the action in the midst of pure being. This 
this is how actions were done by the ancient seekers of freedom. Act and then surrendering the fruits of action. Or just be and see what becomes of it, from it, as it. Surrendering all thoughts, all outcomes, unperturbed, self-reliant, nothing at all is being done. Even when fully engaged in actions, there is a stillness that lives underneath everything. And in this stillness is the miracle of change. You are the miracle of change. Being present to this moment is sacred. Let us surrender our minds over to the wisdom of the highest mind, to the mind of the divine that is alive within us all, in all moments of all lifetimes. And as we surrender our minds over to the highest mind, let this wisdom carry us to the other shore, the shore of giving up all that we know. Let us surrender into knowing nothing. There's no one there to know anything. There's no doer. There's just pure being. And as pure being, let the unknown come find us. As we are desireless and tensionless and actionless. Rest in this space and make the choice in each moment of overcoming any tensions that may arise. Be beyond the mind, be beyond the needs and the wants, just be. Just be pure consciousness, safe, steady, content, reliant, indivisible, infinite, 
always with you and loving you as you become more of its consciousness, as you become more alive, as you walk and talk in this world, as it let it speak through you. Talk with it, speak as it, collaborate with it, collaborate as it, commune with it and as it, and surrender your beautiful body-mind to it, and contemplate. What does pure consciousness want for the whole of humanity? What right action wants to emerge? As we contemplate as pure being, what for you in your beautiful life would cultivate a world full of loving kindness and wholeness for every living thing. Is it action? And seeing action in the midst of pure being? Or is it inaction? Being pure being in the midst of all action. Relax into your co-creatorship Thank you for being with us today. Thanks for listening to Everyday Awakening. How can today awaken you to the greatness that lives within? To ask a question, suggest a topic, or contact us, please email us at everydayawakeningpodcast at gmail.com. If you really like our show, please be sure to rate, review, and follow the show wherever you get your podcasts. And tell a few friends. 